0: Welcome to the Film Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. All right. We have a very good show in store for you. We are going to do a full breakdown on Black Widow including a section without spoilers to give you a preview and then a section with spoilers if you've already seen it or don't care about spoilers. We will also discuss some upcoming box office movies and we'll discuss our personal tips for watching movies along with our watch list. So let's dive right in. Um, we'll talk about the box office first off. Uh, we'll save the official breakdown for it later in the show. But uh, we'll start off with box office. Uh, so this week, of course, is Black Widow out in theaters. That is your main release in movie theaters. It's going to be the one that dominates the headlines. And so far, so good. Uh, I don't know how the theater was when you saw it yesterday. We're recording this Friday evening. Uh, both of us saw this on Thursday, but my theater was pretty full.
1: Yeah, I would say about 75% full, but I also saw it at 5 p.m. Okay. For so like the main big showings, I think.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we still have a bunch of uh, holdout movies. We have Fast 9 is in theaters, In the Heights, Cruella, depending on which theaters you're at, you'll have some Hitman's wife's bodyguard or boss baby, depending on where you are, uh, the final purge or the forever purge, I should say, not the final purge, the forever purge. So there's still a number there's, it's starting to fill up. It actually feels like we're getting close to a full box office at this point and not just stuff that's been out for months and months because there's nothing else out. It starts to feel like we're getting a full box office and We get a new slate of movies coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So to move on to our upcoming box office, we have some, one of the big one coming out the next week uh, is Space Jam, a new legacy. So that comes out July 6th. Of course that stars the Marvel characters and LeBron James. Uh, This is kind of a sequel to the legendary early 90s film starring, of course, Michael Jordan. And then we have the following week, you have Snake Eyes, which is a uh, G.I. Joe movie coming out the 23rd, as well as one that we've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, Old, because its title is Old. <laughs> and that's on July 23rd as well. Uh, Rob, which of those intrigues you the most?
1: Uh, I want to see Old because I'm a big M. Night fan and I'm interested slash concerned about how it's going to turn
2: out.
1: (laughs) I think I've said that before. Uh, Just kind of seems to be the general feeling I get when a new movie of his comes out these days. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, he he seems to be a a high-variance director at this point.
1: I saw it uh, before um, Black Widow, I don't know if they showed the same trailers, mm. assuming they would, but there was like an extended trailer for old before Black Widow that was longer than and showed a, a few other things than I had seen before. Mm. And it, it intrigued me a little bit more, I think, about the movie.
0: Okay. I Especially. did not see that because I was at the IMAX. Okay. They had some different trailers for IMAX. But that's, that's interesting that they showed a more extended one. So you, yeah. you would say you are now more intrigued with the yeah. movie? After yeah, more
1: interested in checking it out.
0: Okay. Uh, for me, surprisingly, Snake Eyes is really intriguing to me. Uh, I have not been a huge fan of the G.I. Joe franchise. Uh, I watched the first one and was kind of like, eh, and I've just mostly ignored the other ones. But having seen the trailer for Snake Eyes, I'm actually intrigued. It looks like a decent movie to me. I think it looks interesting. It looks like it's got some substance to it. Uh, It's supposed to be kind of an origin story for Snake Eyes. Um, But what they showed in the trailer, I thought uh, lent itself to be a quality action movie. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong with that. Uh, I'm not sure. Have you seen the other GI Joe ones?
1: I I think I might have. I don't remember. They're not memorable.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. So I, that's why. I honestly don't remember.
0: That's why I was kind of surprised that I'm as intrigued with uh, Snake Eyes as I am. But I, I would plan on seeing that. Okay. So that's what's uh, coming up. Uh, just a hint of what's coming up in the box office. There are some other movies uh, that will be out as well. Then we may get to them in subsequent weeks. But the box office is coming back movies are starting to come back we're getting full theaters so uh head out and check out a movie there's some good stuff out so to move on to our discussion item um we will get to the black widow review here uh in a few minutes uh but i wanted i wanted to uh I wanted to get into some of our own personal tips for watching movies. So everyone has their own their own techniques, their own tips, uh, their own way of operating. And since you know you and I spend a significant amount of time thinking about and watching movies, I thought it'd be fun to just share some of our personal tips. Now, this could be anything that enhances our movie experience, whether it's a a strategy for in person, a strategy for just watching movies and how and how you think through them, uh, anything from home setup to food choices, whatever. Any any tips that that we have for enhancing our movie experience. So, Rob, were you able to uh were you able to come up with some on those?
1: Uh I just glanced at it and I think I've got I've got some things.
0: Okay. thank think All right. uh, do we, we uh we want to go back and forth, and we each, you know, kind of each give one, and then see how it goes. Or
1: that sounds all right.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, well, why don't I go first on this one? So one of the first ones that I've got is uh, when it comes to the theaters itself. If you go to IMAX, and this was something I practiced last night. If you go to IMAX, sit towards the back of an IMAX theater the further back you get most of the time that enhances your viewing experience, just because the screen is so large. Um, A lot of regular theaters, I like to sit somewhere around the middle, but for IMAX, you definitely want to get as far back as you can. Um, The experience of having to sit closer is significantly worse and you don't get the full effect at an IMAX screen. If you are not sitting as far back as you can, especially because they tend to be steeper sloped, which means if you're sitting too far forward, you actually get some of the other rows of seats in your viewing angle. So the higher up you are, the better the viewing angle and the wider the screen. What do you think about that one?
1: Yeah, I I, uh, haven't gone to IMAX too often lately, but um, that does seem like a pretty good idea. I know sitting for me when it comes to, a regular theater i like to sit in uh so there's a there's usually at least the theater i go to in new york there's a railing and then there's the row underneath is the handicap row there's a whole bunch of open spaces for wheelchairs then there's like splits of two seats every once in a while and i really like to sit there because it's like five times the leg room yeah so (laughs) not that you have to worry about it too much for the recliners but it's there's just something about all that extra space that's relaxing. Yeah. Like you don't have to worry about putting your feet on the railing or anything. It's just nice open space. (laughs) And I've actually, I think I've yet to go to a movie where I've sat in that row and there's actually been anyone with a wheelchair or anyone sitting with someone with a wheelchair. So it's usually, it's usually an empty row. So, and you can always check that on the, when you book your ticket. Mm-hmm. see if anyone else is sitting around there so I like that I also like sitting in the back mm-hmm. um, I would say sitting in, in that big row is something I like to do when I'm by myself because I'm not with anybody else then I want to be the most comfortable I can be Yeah. and then just uh, uh, related but a little bit different when it comes to the movie going experience like I can't go to a movie without reclining now <laughs> Uh-huh. And it's like the same in my house. I'm either reclining or I'm laying down. Like it's just <laughs> so much more relaxing than sitting straight up. I don't think I could go to a movie and sit straight up anymore.
0: Yeah, you it's know, a I'm weird spoiled. experience now. Yeah. <laughs> and some theaters got the heated seats. So, yes. Yeah.
1: The seats that shoot water at you and all kinds of ridiculous <laughs> 40 nonsense.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Um, so was that your first one, or do you have another? Do you have another?
1: Yeah, that was my first one. Okay,
0: all right. So, my next one is um more related to what you're actually watching in movies. Uh, so that is pay attention to concepts introduced early in movies. Oftentimes, directors and screenwriters like to put out the themes of the movie fairly early on. There's some there's some sort of scene or some kind of um, happenstance that at least brings to mind one of the things that's eventually going to be the theme of the movie. And if you can pick up on that early in one of the early scenes, that will help you uh, carry that thread throughout the movie. And you can see how they continually bring that back and how they're about to develop the storyline. So it just gets you into a better frame of mind for where the movie is headed, if you can pick up uh on on themes early in the film and and some of the first couple scenes.
1: Going off on a completely different tangent, mm-hmm. I would say if you're going to a theater that has a rewards program or an app, get it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you might have the opportunity to either see a movie for free in the future or get like a drink or popcorn or something for free in the future. And related to that, I would say, spend as little money as possible <laughs> at the theater on food. I don't spend anything. I wait until I have something free and then I use it. So uh, that's, that's a recommendation I would have, especially if you go fairly often to the theater.
0: Yeah. That was one of the first changes I had to make when I started getting the unlimited passes is if you start spending money on food, every time you go, you're going to be broke real fast. Yeah. So pick and choose your moments. Like if I were to go to a giant premiere of a movie, I'll get something because I think that enhances the experience. But yeah. Okay. Uh, Another one I have is uh, buy your favorite movies. Mm. Buy your favorite movies. This This is one for me because... There are so many extra things that you can get when you buy a movie, as opposed to just watching you know, it on like Hulu or Netflix, or sometimes even renting them. They give you lots of extra features. With your favorite movies, you should be wanting to watch them over and over again and having them available to you when you want them. Also, the access to things like the audio commentary. If you have a great movie, you should definitely at some point watch it with the audio commentary on hidden scenes, um, directors, cuts, anything like that. So um, if you have a movie that you absolutely love, you should own it. also, the other thing about owning a movie, especially the physical copies of, of your favorite movies, is then after you're busy advocating it to people about how great a movie it is and how much they need to see it, you have the ability to share that with them by lending it to them. This is something I do frequently. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Buy your favorite movies.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good one. Um I would say uh, another thing, and this is becoming more relevant now, and we both experienced it a little bit with Black Widow, Mm -hmm. is if you have the opportunity to go see a movie the opening weekend, and even better, the opening day, do it.
0: Yeah, that's actually one of mine, too. So we hit on that one.
1: Yeah, because there's not really uh, a similar experience to watching it. Like I was watching it when, when I was at Black Widow, when the Marvel titles ran, someone actually went, woo! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Hmm, I've missed hearing, like, I'm missed hearing things like that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. hearing excitement.
0: Yeah. It's, it's true. I mean, when you go, when you go with all the fans, when you go with the people who are super excited about it, it enhances, it enhances the movie experience. Everyone is cheering louder. Everyone's more excited. There's a palpable energy in uh, in, the, in the theater, you get things like cheers for the credits. You get things like clapping or hearty laughter at the right moments. You've, it really feels like a collective experience. So much more than it often does when you go see it like three weeks later and there's like 15 people in the theater. It's just, it's something everyone should experience at least once. So I'm with you on that
1: one. And I would say related to it, if you like animated movies, if you like kids' movies, go also go like the opening weekend because you'll see it with a whole bunch of kids and their parents who are excited to see it. Hmm. And there's nothing like when there's an immature, silly joke on the screen and you hear a room full of kids laughing at it. <laughs> it is uh it's a really cool experience, especially if you have kids of your own. Um or we, we went and saw uh, the Incredibles too at, at Disney, the AMC at Disney hmm. the day it came out. And that was a really cool experience because it was it was full there was probably 500 people there it was a massive theater it was completely sold out and uh just hearing everyone's reactions to things was really awesome
0: i also went opening weekend on that one with a bunch of kids except for they were a little older they were all high school kids <laughs> <laughs> but not this similar reactions yeah <laughs> All right. Um, You want to do one more each? You have one more
1: Uh,
0: or I can just close it out if you don't have one more.
1: Yeah, you can go ahead. All
0: right. So my last one is um, pick themes for your personal movie watching, pick themes. Um, It makes it so much easier to decide what to watch. Because if you're sitting there, oh, I want to watch a movie, you've got only millions of choices to choose from. If you're watching something in terms of themes, it makes it much easier. Uh, recently, I, I just if you're listening to the podcast, you will know that I, I went through a bunch of 90s action movies. So when I went, sat down to decide what movies to watch I'm like scrolling through, OK, what are the 90s action movies on here that I haven't seen? it makes, it just narrows down your decision-making so much more, or you'll say like, Hey, I want to go through the bond movies like you've been doing, mm-hmm. or Hey, I want to watch the mission impossible movies, or let me just watch uh, a Matthew McConaughey retrospective where you just go through that sort of thing. Um, picking themes like that gives you some guidelines for, for what to watch and how to watch it. Plus it gives you a little bit of anticipation. And I think it, it makes it, it makes it feel like you're, like there's a purpose to it, more so than just uh, relaxing and entertainment. So that's more for me. If you, it enhances for me, it enhances my watching experience, and uh, like I said, just makes decision making easier.
1: I like that. Yeah, like you said, I'm watching the Bond movies right now. I've done several other things like that in the past. We're also watching through uh, the Harry Potter movies a little <laughs> bit at a time with my kids. So, but Bond, we're watching like one every other day.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, there's a billion of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs>
1: yeah. We actually cheated. Uh, as I said, last week, we, we skipped forward to quantum solace, cheated a little bit, but we're back on the the real chronological train now, yeah. which was very humorous to me watching Black Widow last night because
2: mm-hmm. what
1: was what was she watching Moonraker. Moonraker? What movie was I watching the night before Moonraker?
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Oh, <laughs> that's technically a spoiler, but not really a spoiler. Yeah. So I think we can totally go <laughs> over <with> that one. <laughs> okay. Well, those are some of our tips for. Uh, things that enhance our movie watching experience. We'd love to hear more from you. If there are things that you like to do that really enhance your movie experience, send them our way. Leave them in the comments. Send us an email. Anything of that nature would be great. Uh, Love to hear from you. And maybe if we get one or two, we'll send them. we'll, uh, We'll talk about them on the next episode. All right, Rob. It's time. It's time for our review of Black Widow. Uh, So like we do for all of our major reviews, we'll start out talking about our initial thoughts and impressions. Uh, We will leave the spoilers out. Then we will give you a spoiler warning before we dive into the specific breakdown. So first Marvel movie in over a year, Rob. Black Widow, initial impressions and thoughts. What would you think?
1: Uh, My, uh, so I guess an initial main impression was I was impressed Mm. and uh, to, to break it down without going uh, into spoilers. I think I was most impressed by the fact that it felt like a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. I don't don't think I should have been surprised by that necessarily, but this is like a new phase. So you're wondering how's this going to hold up? How's it going to compare to the others? Um, the humor was fantastic in the movie. And yeah. I, I think the thing that I was most impressed by, uh, David Harbor and Florence few, I think the, the one, the one thing I was concerned about, and I, I said this going in was, will, with, with this new phase, will they be able to create characters that you are invested in? Like you're mm-hmm. excited. You want to see more of, and I can say without a doubt those two characters I want to see more of oh yeah after seeing this movie so i my expectations i don't know if i had really high expectations but whatever they were were um they were met without a doubt because i and and it was shot well i just think it was a quality movie i think um as much as as much as they showed in the trailer a lot of it seems like it was almost I don't want to say misdirection, but like a lot of the big action things they showed in the trailer weren't necessarily like the big parts of the movie and the, they didn't, they didn't really reveal too much about the villains either in the trailers, which I thought made their appearances and the things they did in the movie have more weight and feel significant. Um, Yeah. the well, uh, I'll I'll talk more about the villains when we
2: mm-hmm.
1: talk about specifics, but
0: yeah, the, this is no, like you were saying, this is not a movie that you really feel like you saw the movie when you watched the trailer. This is certainly not one of those movies. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the acting performances from those two actors were, were fantastic and spot on. I also think another strength of this movie really was the cast chemistry I think the cast chemistry was really fantastic. Um, watching, especially watching it early in the movie, it really felt like man, it really has been a long time since we've seen a Marvel movie. Man, it yeah. really felt like it'd been a long time. And right from the bat, the movie the movie kicks off, and you're like, yes, this is this is going to be a good movie. I mean, they set it up right away. They did a great job. Uh, you're right into it, and. I, I don't like you I, I don't know what expectations I had, but I was pleasantly surprised by how good I thought the movie was overall. Um, I really enjoyed the movie experience. It didn't feel like it was long and drawn out. It really it really felt like it flowed well, the pacing was good. Um, there was a good payoff.
1: I think one thing Marvel has done consistently across the board and it's good to see, is still continuing is the thing that makes these movies work so well is that no matter how outlandish or crazy or outer space or god from uh you know another world <laughs> or whatever there's mm-hmm. always an emotional grounding
2: mm-hmm.
1: to the movies in a way that uh when you want to compare it to dc they have not accomplished yeah and the the people who are playing the characters make the characters feel real, mm-hmm. and that's why they work. And I think this movie did a great job of that.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I felt like, and I, I won't elaborate on this, but to me, it felt a little bit like a transition movie. Um, as we go into the next phase of Marvel, this movie felt a little bit like a transition movie to me. So I don't think that's a bad thing by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. Um, but that's how it felt. And I'm okay with that. And I think that's, that that might've actually been a smart
1: tactic. So- and if you go see the movie and, and uh, I won't talk about the specifics of what it is until we get to the spoiler part. But if you want to see, if you go to see the movie, stay until the very end of the credits, because there is unsurprisingly a scene at the end of the credits. Yes. You'll want to see it.
0: And it's been so long since we've seen a Marvel movie that maybe we forgot about that.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you know what it was? Have you have you looked it up yet? What? Have, have Did you stay for the scene? Yes. The the- okay.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. I definitely did. Yeah. Anything else you want to say and get out there before we switch over to spoiler mode? Uh,
1: I don't think so. i'm ready to spoil things
0: all right this is your spoiler alert spoiler warnings we are now going to talk about the film in specifics in detail and give spoilers
1: this is a brand brand new movie so
0: yes and now we have done it that's your warning it's on you from this point forward (laughs) okay all right rob let's let's get into the specifics um where do you want to start on this one?
1: I, I don't even know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go with this. Let's let's do a little bit chronologically. What did you think when you saw um, starting off 1995 in Ohio for this?
1: Uh, movie? I, was, I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh-huh. Um, but they did such a masterful job at explaining that this situation was. Just where Alexi, their father, Mm -hmm. was doing an assignment. Um, and just the such a quick transition to we have to get out of here. And I really, I really liked how it seemed like he was just kind of a normal scientist dude who's like, we gotta get out of here. And then he picked up this giant metal (laughs) thing and just threw it, and you're like, Whoa. Oh, so that guy's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And 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 they did a great job of playing with the young actor who was playing young Natasha. Of you're like, okay, she knows something. What does she know? How does she know? What what you know, there, there the whole time there's something else going on. Like you know there's something going on, but there's something else going on. And when you get to the moment where where they end up drugging the two girls, and you're like, "Oh, okay, there really is something going on here." Uh, they did a great job with that transition. you realize, "Oh, wait, no, they're not actually family. They're not real family." Yeah, that and that was that, that was pretty cool. The
1: the the whole credits sequence at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you see that like almost as a throwaway moment in a movie. I think, uh, obviously, Bond does a pretty good job of it, usually, because
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: if, you've wa- if you have not watched any of the James Bond movies, uh, in the opening credits, you're likely to see some ladies with less than normal clothes on. <laughs> and <laughs> you'll usually see they, they, give, they give subtle hints as to what's going to happen in the movie yes that you probably will not understand until you actually see the movie mm-hmm. but they're there and then when you watch it again you're like oh so that was a metaphor for uh, you know but this movie did a great job at setting the context of where these girls were in the credits and it was like i said with the emotional grounding thing it was almost heartbreaking to see these kids going through the things they were going through and who was influencing them, what they were being made to do, and um, really brought out a lot of what um, Natasha has said in the past with the Avengers about the things she did when she was younger because this was all the context and background to that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think just that, that opening scene was so well done and so well laid out and unfolded you're getting that information slowly over the course of those original couple scenes it was so well done you i instantly thought like this is really going to be a good movie my expectation level just instantly jumped up i'm like no this is this is actually going to be pretty good um one of the one of the other um big questions i had was where is this going to fit in how does this fit in uh-huh. how does this story fit in and I thought once again, Marvel did a fantastic job of situating it in a spot in the Marvel timeline where it fits perfectly, naturally, and it works. Um Marvel, the big,
1: the, the big yeah. question is Black Widow is dead. So <laughs> where where is this gonna be?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you this is this is always one of one of those things where some of the movies in Marvel have done this better than, than others. Uh, But if you're doing a solo movie, once you, once you, it's fine, once you're introducing the characters, but once you have this whole cast of characters who all work together as part of the Avengers, how do more of them not show up in some of these other movies? And uh, my, my thought was how are they going to make that work and positioning it where they did after basically after civil war, where the Sokovia cores have come down and they're hunting her and she goes to escape uh, positions it perfectly in the timeline where, Hey, here's a block of time where she's on her own and she's not calling anybody else because of the Sokovia corps. So I thought that was just amazingly well laid out in terms of how that story fit into the timeline and what, what they chose to do with that, which is, I mean, it's it's surprising considering how many movies they already have that you can still find space for like that that were so well, but they didn't. What else? What else? Uh, what else stood out for you?
1: Well, I've already uh, said something about it briefly, but uh, Florence Pugh's performance as Yelena, Natasha's sister, mm-hmm. for me, was the standout of the movie. And they really have done a fantastic job at Creating another character to care about, mm-hmm. and she's uh, so she's featured in the stinger at the end of the movie as well. Um, setting up, so this is a major spoiler. We're already in the spoiler section, but um, setting up a connection between her and the woman who is part of the group in the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, who runs the government agency there, and to chase down. Clint Barton, Hawkeye. Which I don't know about you, but when I saw his when I saw his picture when she showed that, I was like, "Oh boy, here we go!" (laughs)
0: Here we go.
1: (laughs) Because man, if there if there wasn't enough intrigue between um, Black Widow and Hawkeye and their relationship and everything they went through and everything they did and how things ultimately ended with them to now. Pass that on to her, I uh, guess, quote unquote, sister, but they really looked at each other as sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, that I see that, especially because of the two actors and how they are so talented and skilled in their roles. Mm-hmm. I, I see potential for there to be some real, real um, good dramatic stuff between um, Hawkeye and Galena in the future at some point.
0: And one thing I liked too, I thought Florence Pugh did a great job with her Russian accent. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was particularly impressive. It stood out to me how good her Russian accent is. Now, I don't claim to be an expert on the Russian accent. So, I mean, maybe I'm off base here. Yeah, but I thought it was really, really well done. I thought she carried it well. Even to the point of using language that was different. Um, in particular, she once referred to a kid as small instead of little. Mm-hmm. which is you know in English in the normal American English we would say little and and but in, in some places like russia you would say small and so just the that subtle use of, of verbiage uh that it, it came in a little bit just i think she really worked hard at that it's I, just,
1: hard I, I hard. really liked her character's overall attitude and just approach because it's like her character was freed from this, Widow program, like her mind was freed basically with this gas that if you get hit by it, it releases your mental bonds from, you know, this programming, this mental deprogramming. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like she, at that point, was willing to do anything, you know, to meet her objective, which was to take down the bad guys. And I just, I love the. almost like a carefree attitude and the line that sticks out to me the most is when they are uh, breaking Alexi out of prison and she's in a helicopter and there's an avalanche coming and she just goes, this would be a cool way to die. (laughs) (laughs) I,
0: I think, I think the scene, um, it's kind of an extended scene. Like, that really, really shows uh, the quality of the writing and the quality of the characters and the acting, I think was the table scene that they had when they're sitting around the table, Mm. when they, after they find their mother. Um, And then that extends over into her going into her bedroom and talking with her father. Mm. Uh, I thought that was really the scene that displayed um, both, both the quality of the humor Uh, the chemistry between the actors and, and just the kind of the depth they developed with that whole family relationship, because they are family, but they aren't family. Um, and, And that strange dynamic really, really played out super well in that. And you can even see it in the breakdown between the two daughters, because Natasha being the older daughter was far more aware of what was happening when they were children than the younger one was. And you see that exact dynamic play out when the family gets back together. And Natasha just wants to shut it all down and say, no, no, it was all fake. You're not my family. She, she didn't want to admit that that had that affected her. Whereas the younger sibling was like disappointed that the rest of them are like, hey, you know, it was real. It was real. You were my family. And and so that dynamic, they did a great job playing out that dynamic of the differences between the older sibling and the younger sibling and how they'll view the same experience differently. I thought it was just fantastically done.
1: Uh, yeah. The line that she said was, you're telling me the best years of my life weren't real. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, I think that there's so much to talk about this movie and we don't want the podcast to be like an hour and a half long.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, I, I hit on this earlier. I think the structure that they came up with, with the villains was really well done because you've got the main puppet master guy, the bad guy, Drake who they have been after for a long time. Um, Controlling the Black Widow program and uh, having them all over the world with the ability, at the wave of his ring, to do what he wants them to do, as he said. But then you've also got, uh, I think the the Taskmaster character in this movie. A lot of a lot of times, villains can feel like they don't necessarily have weight or or you have to be afraid of them because they're going against superheroes. Superheroes always win. And this character can basically mimic anything that anyone does to the point where uh, she's fighting off, and it is a she, (laughs) it's the bad guy's daughter, who was supposedly dead, but not dead, um, fighting off Red Guardian, who's like the Captain America equivalent in uh, the Soviet Union, and matching him hit for hit, uh, that that kind of character has weight to it. It's scary, and it's uh, you're not sure what's going to happen. Exactly, and I found fascinating after the bad guys uh, space space station, I guess station in the clouds, whatever secret base, blows up, and they're on the ground. That her character says to uh, black widow is he gone yeah um the fact that although she was part of this and doing what her father wanted her to do she was still being oppressed at the same time and a victim of this like insipid mind control that they can't break free from and i really like how uh Black Widow was able to break through the defenses of Drakov and like basically expose him for being this weak person. <laughs> and he claimed to have all this strength. Yeah. See, I,
0: I agree with you about Olga Kurilenko's uh, character and that, and that they did do a good job of surrounding her in mystery and giving her some gravitas. I do think though, uh, I have to slightly disagree in that I, I didn't love how diffuse the villains were because mm. you got a little bit of the black widows, a little bit of, uh, what, what was the name of that character? Um, Olga Kurilenko's. um, uh,
1: I forget what I was going to say, but I couldn't remember.
0: Yeah. I can't remember it either, but that character and then, um, the, the leader of the red room, uh, I felt like it kind of, it kind of diffused the bad guy a little bit. Um, and so at various points they're fighting each one of them. And so I thought that as a result of it, not being codified into one, I thought um, it, it just, I'm trying to find the right word for it. It just, it lacked a centrality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for instance, the, the widows actually were severely, severely underdeveloped because most of the time was spent in the other avenues, but they had to fight the widows. So they were kind of like there, but not there, but, but not bad. I mean, not, yeah. we're not talking like they screwed anything up in a major way. I just think it was a little more diffuse than I would have liked. Um, one other, one other thing, um, uh, that i thought was really interesting uh, a lot of the action sequences i thought i thought the the cinematography on some of the action sequences was was well done they would do this thing where they would slow down for a moment and they would use a slow down at the beginning of the fight scene then it would go back to normal pacing and then it would hit a point and then it would go fast, and then and then the speed would really pick up, mm-hmm. and it did that regularly over and over again, where it starts slow mo, normal speed, fast, and it provided a good kind of flow to the different action sequences. Um, as we you know if we remember back to uh, the Justice League movie, how we talked about just how much slow mo yeah.
2: <laughs> and,
0: and the action on that one. This I thought was a perfect use of pacing. Within an action sequence.
1: And it's also not 1970s James Bond where all of a sudden he's going five times speed for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I do think like overall, I think it felt like a personal
0: movie. It felt like a personal movie. Um, It felt like she was working things out and it really was, it wasn't just a backstory. It was, it was a personal story. And I felt that came across well. Oh, anything else, or do you wanna do you wanna wrap it there? With I think uh, that's pretty good. Black Widow, they yeah, a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So definitely go out and see Black Widow. It is absolutely worth your time. If you have not been to the theater at all yet, this is the perfect movie to get get yourself back into the theater. So make sure you go see it. Okay, let's transition over to our watch list. These are movies we've watched over the past week, and we'll just give you a brief rundown on what we thought. So, Rob, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, I actually only have one because I don't watch a lot of movies this week. Um, But as I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Black Widow, I watched Moonraker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is the next in the James Bond series. And uh, talk about a crazy premise. (laughs) stealing a space shuttle off a flying plane and taking it to space pretty up there along with mm-hmm. a giant space laser battle which I think was slightly better than the scuba battle in the one Sean Connery movie <laughs> but <laughs> it gave me the same kind of vibes um, I the the Bond movies of that era are very interesting for me because I think Roger Moore did a really good job acting as James Bond but some of the special effects like are to the point now now that it's 50 years later where you're just like what were they thinking?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's the hard part about those old ones. Yeah.
1: But I still think it was a re- well-written story. I think that uh, the villain does a great job, uh, Drax in the movie, and Jaws makes another appearance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I like this era of Bond movies. It's not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. And I would say it's definitely worth checking out Moonraker and you should watch it because Black Widow watched it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, For me, I watched some classic movies this past week. Uh, I watched the original Mission Impossible from 1996 with Tom Cruise. I, I still really enjoy this movie. This one felt like the closest tie-in to the old TV series, the way it was set up, um, the different plot. it felt like it felt like a genre-defying, defining spy era movie in 1996. It really did. It, it was really, really good. It was well done. Um, some ironic things is like Tom Cruise now is basically the same age that John Voight was then uh, in that movie, which is kind of fascinating um the uh, the interesting thing with this one is um this one and the second one kind of stand out as unique because they didn't do any of the movies they didn't kind of hit their stride of what they would be going forward until the third movie until bad robot came in and kind of took the took the movies from that point so each of the first two kind of stands out as their own unique Movie in some ways, so I, I. But I still like it. It's really good. Um, next one I watched was The Fellowship of the Ring from The Lord mm.
1: of the Rings. We watched uh, that recently. What was that? We watched that recently as mm. well.
0: Yeah, I have the extended editions, so I was watching the extended edition of of that one. And there's just there's just so many memorable scenes in that. There's the the conversation with Sam and Frodo where he's talking about this is the farthest away from the Shire he's ever been. There's the conversation between uh, Gandalf and Frodo, where Frodo's like, I wish the ring had never come to me. And and Gandalf gives him the wise advice, like, hey, you know, nobody wishes that bad things happen to him, but the only thing you can do is what do you do with it from going forward? What do you do with the time you've got? Um, the classic, you shall not pass scene. Uh, It's just um, this, this movie, I remember first seeing it in theaters and like, this just felt like another animal, the scale, the scope of it. And now that it's 20 years, 20 years on, um, some of it holds up better than others in terms of like the special effects and those type of things. But I think the weight of the story and the, and the, just the scope and the scale still speak to you.
1: Well, it was it was a a brilliant conception uh, and idea to spend so much time getting the locations and things right for this and putting it in real world places because it's it's that those scenes are timeless. They're never going to be boring or feel not real.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, just. The, the locations are perfect and they really, really fit with, fit with the books, fit with the story. Um, it, it's just, it is an absolute masterpiece from Peter Jackson. It really is. And I'll just briefly mention Jurassic World. Uh, I watched that this week too. Um, we talked about that a little bit. I think my favorite part about the movie is still the idea that for a little while you get to see what a functioning, alive Jurassic Park looks like. Um, when it was functioning properly, and what that could have been like, because you never really get that in in the original Jurassic yeah. Park trilogy. You, yeah. don't get, you don't really get a sense of what an actual functioning Jurassic Park is, and you do in Jurassic World. And I think that is the highlight of that film. Okay, so we are going to we are going to wrap this up by giving a little. Uh, recommendation so uh, the pattern for this one is we'll give you a recommendation based on Scarlett Johansson so recommend to the audience another Scarlett Johansson movie Rob what do you got so
1: first uh, for me the one that comes to my mind immediately is Lost in Translation with Bill Murray mm. because I, I, I really enjoy drama movies I really enjoy movies that are about people who are in a place where they don't belong and that's really what this movie is about about trying to figure out uh, where you belong and who you belong with and what's the right thing to do and uh, Bill Murray is great playing this American actor who's in Japan (laughs) and uh, is kind of like a quasi-celebrity and uh, falls for this girl and then the question is like what do you do and it's just it's uh, it's a very touching movie. Mm. Some, there's there's some real heartbreak to it. I think uh, melancholy Bill Murray is very impressive. And uh, this was a fairly early on in Scarlett Johansson's career, I believe. But I would recommend the movie Lost in Translation.
2: Okay,
0: uh, my recommendation in 2005: The Island. Uh, This is just kind of a fun sci-fi slash action movie. And the basic plot is um, Scarlett Johansson and Ewan McGregor live in this supposedly idyllic society. And they're just very innocent. And then they find out they're actually the... uh, the backup body parts for real life people <laughs> and they end up interacting with the uh, themselves. They're basically clones that people use for um, whenever they get injured. And just the character she plays is so interesting because um they keep the clones kind of naive and, and fun and light. And so to watch them interact with the world, it's just a fun movie. I mean, it's not, it's not going to win any, it didn't win any Oscars or anything like that, but it's, it's just a fun movie. It
1: also has Ewan McGregor, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So check out the Island
1: and Lost in Translation.
0: If you want to see more Scarlett Johansson movies. Okay. Well, that's all the show we have for you today. Thank you for tuning in to Film for Fan. Make sure you check out filmforfans.com. Also rate and subscribe and leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, enjoy the movies.